blessing. You know what? God is so good. We know he's eternal. Right? We know God's eternal. Jesus is eternal. God is so good. How good is it? Of worship. That's one of the things that people forget. 
God says as you give, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Those of us who are a little bit older, who've been in Christianity for a long time, understand that because when we were younger, we probably didn't get how the message right either. Some of us did. I, I, ever since I, I got saved in 19, and I've been giving at least 10% since 19. We're up to like 30% of our giving we give now, and, and I'm looking forward to giving more in the future. But I know the more I've given over the years, the more God's given back to me. And I'm extremely blessed and getting blesser, if that's a word. I'm getting blesser and blesser this every day in Jesus' name. But because we give. God said, prove me in this. Bring ye in all the tithes and all the offerings to the house. See, doesn't he pour you out a blessing? But there's not room enough for you to receive it. If you believe that, you should start acting on it. Lord, blessing God first in Jesus' name. Father, we ask you to bless the people that are giving today. We ask you to open our eyes and ears for the word. We know that the word is what changes us. It is a divider of soul and spirit. It's a divider of the intents of our hearts and what we actually accomplish. So God, help us to see that we need your word. And your word, even though it's free to us, freely given, freely received, it takes people to preach it. It takes people to take the message out there. It takes missionaries and pastors and people standing around the world. Many of them with our lives in danger, Lord, trying to preach this word. So as we give, help us to remember, it's not for us that we give. It's for the kingdom's sake. And I ask you to multiply the gifts that are given to the people who gave it, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. All God's people said amen. I didn't get you to shake hands with nobody yesterday. Go ahead and go ahead and find one or two people shake hands and say something good is about to happen. Get our confession ready to go up on the board. Come on, shake hands with one or two people say something good is about to happen in your life. You know my name, God. You know my name. Somebody this morning in the name of the Lord. And if you want to grab your seat, kind of get in it close a little bit, go ahead. Because there's not a whole lot of people. But we're going to be preaching directly to you this morning. So come on. All right, come on, get back to your seats. Get the confession ready to go on the board. Praise. Come on. Come on. Welcome. I don't have any visitors cards, so I think I've seen everybody here before, but you're welcome in Jesus' name. Thank you for coming. Thank you to the ones who came out yesterday for prayer. We had some good prayer yesterday morning. If you're in the neighborhood at 8 o'clock, from 8 to 9, we have prayer here every Saturday morning, and you're welcome to come from 8 to 9 in Jesus' name. If you got an extra moment, you can stay from 9 to 10 to help us clean up. But you can definitely come out on Saturday morning. And we thank God for you in Jesus' name. All right. I thank some of the little kids for going upstairs. But the rest of us, we're ready to go. Get your Bibles out with me, please. Get your Bibles out with me. Uh, 
we're going to start this podcast and stuff. So listen, Zion, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise real quick. Come on, just give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We want to welcome you who are here with us. And those that are online, we want to thank you for being online with us. We're going to try to do things a little bit better and try to keep things about 27 minutes or 30 minutes. Now, y'all pray for me in Jesus' name because I might not do that, but I'm going to do my best. Amen? Amen. Amen. We have a confession of faith that we do around here. Uh, what we're talking about this morning is turning your doubt into faith. I don't know whether you have the ability or not to understand what I just said, but just about everybody in here have moments of doubt, including yours truly. Now, so a lot of times I have doubted the things and, and sometimes I had to repent before God because God told me what happened. I just didn't believe him. But God will take, and he does this all the time, he will take moments that we doubt and he will prove himself to us in such a mighty way that when we come out of it, there's no questioning that it had to be God. I was driving my car down the road one time. My wife was in the car. My kids were in the back sleep. We had been driving all day. We were driving from California to North Carolina. And she went to sleep. And everybody was asleep. And I kind of went to sleep. I'll be honest with you, I didn't go to sleep. I think I was in New Mexico. I opened my eyes and I was in Oklahoma City or something. Anyway, I, I went to sleep. And I remember opening my eyes and I saw like an angel sitting on the front of that car. And I, I had to really shake myself a couple times. And I finally shook myself enough to wake my wife up. And we had literally drove from one state into another state. And it was just God. I couldn't attribute it to anything but God. But it was God. And there's been several occasions in my life where God has proven himself. And I couldn't give credit to anybody but God. In your life, there's been times when God has proven himself. And you have to be able to say, you need to say, it was God. Maybe you had a difficult birth. And the doctor says it wasn't going to go right. And God fixed it. Maybe you had a, a disease in your body. And the doctor says it wasn't going to go right. And God fixed it. Maybe you had a financial crisis and it wasn't going to go right, but God fixed it. Maybe you lost a house or maybe you had some things. That, I don't know what it was, but there's times in your life that you doubted God was going to come through. And God came through. And I know God came through because you're still here. Amen? Amen. God always comes through. But he has a way of turning our doubts into faith. And the more, now here's the cricket part, the more you doubt God or the bigger the doubt, and when God fixes it, the more faith you have. Afterwards. Afterwards. I can remember my wife and I, as young missionaries, we would go to every twice a year they send us something called a mission barrel. And we go through the mission barrel and we pick out clothes. We didn't have any money. That was the way they trained us back in the 70s. That was the way you trained. So when I came to Missionville in 1980, there was mission barrels that came around. And we'd go through the mission barrels and pick out clothes. And that's all the faith I had. That's all the faith that I had. I couldn't believe God that he could supply another way. In 1986, I read where Paul made tents. 1986. And I said, Paul made tents because that was his profession. I said, I'm going to go to work. And I thought at Bible classes. I thought at English classes and George people for him. And it changed my whole way of thinking. But when God showed me that he could supply another way, it changed the way I perceived God and living by faith. And I've been telling people since then, don't worry about sending me money. and Don't worry about, you know, put a check in the mail for me because I have good hands and muscles and God showed me that Paul could work and make tents and wouldn't charge anybody anything that I could do it. My faith got so strong that I went from making tents to starting the Bible school and starting the English school, which became our academy. And over 3,000 kids had graduated from our academy. Somebody give God some praise. I'm looking at parents in here right now who kids graduated from our school. I'm looking at parents in here who kids gone off to college, graduated from a school that me and my wife started. Back in 1993. But I have faith there. 
that God can use me to do that. He built my faith on the things that I suffer. Sometimes you're going to go through some trials in your life, but you're going to come out stronger. The building that you're sitting in. I used to go past this building. Paul Terry, uh, Tom Terry used to be in here with his little church, God's Ways Ministry. He put it up on the market for $1.6 million. I bought it. Hello. How did I buy it? I got more faith from the things that I had went through. Amen. You're sitting in a building today. It's not owned by anybody else. The land and everything. Listen, we have to understand God will let us go through some things and make us stronger and make us stronger. And I don't want to get too much because I'm so blessed. My wife gets embarrassed when I start talking about how blessed I am, but I am super blessed. My son is up here singing this morning. That boy was stillborn for those who don't know it. My son Joshua was stillborn. Doctor gave him to me dead. Stillborn. My daughter Jamie, since she met E.C. over there, she was four years old, said she wanted to be a lawyer one day. I won't tell you, she, that girl has done so many marvelous, magnificent things now, but she graduated from Georgetown University with a degree in law, a doctorate in law. You don't know how much influence you'll have on somebody. You don't know how important it is for you to be here this morning. But every time I look over at CEC, I think about my daughter, because that's who she patterned from four years old. She wanted to be like EC. You sitting here, somebody, that boy knows how to play the bass over there. I'm going to play the bass, and I'm going like, that's amazing. My sister that plays the flute, you don't know how much inspiration you can be to somebody. And most folks ain't going to tell you, because most folks have this idea that somehow their opinions and their life don't matter. And most of you in this room, I hate to say it, we'll live and die, and people won't even know how to know your name because you don't understand that the gift that God put in you will make room for you, and people are not telling you that. Yes, sir. Don't be afraid to let what God put in you speak out. That's how you change the world, and every one of us has the ability to change the world, not just John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King, but so do you. So we're going to be talking as the year go by. Joshua talked about a couple weeks ago, living life intentional. We've got to get it very intentional. Now, see, I don't need this, but for you who need it, put it up on the board, this confession. Because, see, I live this. I, I don't need this. I know this is my Bible. I know it's mine. I know what it says that I am. I know what it says that I have. But for those who don't, look on the board. Say, this is my Bible. Okay. I believe what it says that I am. I believe what it says that I have. I believe what it says I can do. Therefore, according to God's holy word. I am the head and not the tail. I am above only and not beneath. I am blessed and highly favored of the Lord. To prosper, hello devil, to prosper in all that I do. I believe in my life. I declare my life that today my God is able to make all grace abound toward me. That I may always have an all sufficiency in all things may abound unto every good work in Jesus name. For we walk by faith, not by sight. How many times do you think I tell myself that my God is able to meet my needs, to make me abound? I have to tell myself that all the time because I have the same needs that you have. The same needs that you have. On our water bill is $1,900 a month in this place. Our electric bill is $2,000 a month in this church. Our land tax is $56,000 a year for the land. I have to believe God for a lot more than you. Amen. And I can do it yes, without betting an eye. Without betting an eye. Month after month after month after month after month. 
After my, we had 11 families working for the school. They all get paid. And we believe God month after month after month after month. How come I can do that? Because I used to think I couldn't. And God proved to me that I can. There's mothers in here that used to think you couldn't even make it being a mother by yourself. And you found yourself by yourself, raising a child by yourself. You're like, <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. You didn't do too bad. Look at them kids. Some of y'all got kids that are so, I mean, they're pity me. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Still listening to you. You meet people who kids don't even, won't even talk to them. They'll send them texts. My, my son or daughter sent me a text and they're in trouble. <laughs> I mean, I live in the same house. We don't talk to each other. You've done a good job. When you hear that teenager or that in between said this, and I've said this all the time, so please listen to me. I know from talking, my son said that. When your son or daughter said, you didn't meet his daddy in the whole world, then you can say, thank you, Jesus, I've arrived. You didn't meet his mom in the whole world. You've made it to the point where you deserve to be respected. Because you set the limits and the boundaries. And nobody likes limits or boundaries. But God says every son and every daughter of his that he loves, he chastens, he disciplines. That's the term used there means to put a rod or put a scourge on you. God says, I will beat you until you understand that you're mine. I'm getting ahead of myself. But you know what I used to love about my son and my daughter when they were small. And now his little son that he's holding did this to me the other day. I said, come here, come here, come here. Come here, AJ. AJ came running. AJ got about this close. And AJ went, whew, jumped up and grabbed me around the neck. That's faith. That's faith. And until you have faith like that, you would never know God. Until you have the kind of faith that goes against logic, that goes against what you can see, that goes against the fact, maybe the men are moved. I, I, I did miss Josh one time when Josh was small. My wife laughing that because she know when Josh was small, he ran and jabbed at me one time, and I kind of turned and he went boom, and I hold it. I was down on the floor about fancy he was, but I, I wasn't paying quite enough attention, and, and, and it was kind of funny afterwards. But he fully intended for me to grab him. He had faith that I would grab him, and I felt so bad when I missed him, but I made sure it never happened again in Jesus' name. Go with me to the Gospel of Saint Luke, Maximus Impact. God, why did you wait for Lazarus to die before you raised him from the dead? I wanted maximum impact. When the boy come hopping out of the tomb, down hand and foot, everybody went crazy. The Bible said people went and said, this man could have raised him without being there. This man had the power to do such and such. And the, some of the people went and told the priest and the high priest and Caiaphas. And Caiaphas prophesied by the Spirit of God. It's going to be expedient for one man to die rather than the whole nation to perish. The Bible says he prophesied of the spirit, the death of Jesus Christ. For those who don't know it, one week later, Jesus is going to be dead. One week later, he's been hanging on the cross. Caiaphas didn't know what he was prophesying, but Caiaphas understood this. And he said it, these exact words, if we don't stop in the whole world, people everywhere will believe on him. People everywhere will start believing on Jesus. God is doing things in our lives so that people around us, people everywhere, will have to know that we believe in Jesus. So go to the book of uh, John, in chapter 20, we're going to read verse 19 through 26. I do want to kind of give you an introduction of what had just happened here, so that you'll know. Everybody was talking about what happened with John, the Baptist, uh, excuse me, the raising of Lazarus, and so everybody was excited, 
And Jesus uh, definitely had to hide himself and so his disciples because they were out to kill him. They were out to kill him. But Jesus knew that. And he allowed himself to be captured. The Judas kissing him and everything, that was all part of God's plan. The going before Caiaphas, the high priest who had prophesied he would die, was all part of God's plan. And even the crucifixion on the cross was all part of his plan. If you look, you'll find that the disciples missed the resurrection because they didn't really believe what Jesus had said. That he would rise again on the third day. And, and it's hard for us to kind of accept that. And, and some of us might even say, I, if I were there, I would have believed. No, you wouldn't have. No, you wouldn't. So don't, don't be so quick to think you would, you would have been just like the people in the 19th chapter of the book of John. You would have been just like, you know, the, waiting for the cock and the crow. You would have been hiding from a distance. I mean, you got to kind of put yourself in that position. Here's a man, even though you had seen him do all kinds of stuff, going to raise himself up from the dead. It's hard enough to believe he's going to raise somebody else from the dead. But he did. And he's promising he's going to raise himself from the dead. Everybody understand what I just said? This is like me saying, I'm going to die, but I'm going to raise myself back up in three days. How many of y'all believe that? First of all, you're going to say, you're going to be dead. Nobody ever died and came back and raised himself from the dead. It's just, you know, it's enough to believe that you raised Lazarus from the dead. Remember John's writing this book to prove to you one thing. That Jesus is not just the son of God. That Jesus is not just the son of man. That Jesus is not just Mary's son. John tells us why he's writing this Bible. In John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Christ. And that believing you might have life through his name. He said, this is the only reason I'm writing my gospel. is so that you might believe. And there's things in the book of John. There's seven major, if you count Jesus' resurrection, there's eight major miracles that's not mentioned in any other book. Some of our most beloved Bible stories, and you come out on Wednesday night and we'll break them down for you. The turning water into wine is not mentioned in any other book. The man that had no eyes that Jesus spit on the ground and made eyes for, it's not mentioned in any other book. Any other book. Jesus walking on the water. Peter, come to me. It's not mentioned in any other book. The rising of Lazarus from the dead is not mentioned in any other book. And the reason John says, I put him in here so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah. So we're going to look at this from the standpoint of Thomas. And people have mistakenly labeled Thomas as doubting Thomas. But Thomas was a person that had to have proof. Everybody say proof. I told my wife I love her when I was 18 years old. And I wanted to marry her. The very first words I ever said to her, excuse me, I was 17 years old. Because it happened in 11th grade. I was watching her through the bleaches. I was looking through the bleaches. And, and her sister had told me she was coming around the bleaches. And I was hiding and I was scared and I was shy. And so I was looking through the bleaches. And she came around the corner and she went up to her locker. And I had James Wilkins, who was my friend, my buddy. He did now. He was saying, go tell her you love her. Go tell her you love her. Oh, shut up. You got to go tell her. I said, so I went up. She said, her locker. I tap on the shoulder. I'm going to marry you. Isn't that a wonderful thing to say to the first person you're going to marry? Isn't that something to say the first time you introduce yourself? I'm going to marry you. 
decided I love you. I decided I've been watching you from a distance for a long time. I decided I knew your brothers and I have been watching you for months. I didn't say that. First thing I said to her, I'm going to marry you. Yeah, I know she remembered the first thing she said to me. Yes. <laughs> Crazy! Who are you? Now here's how bold I was. I said, I'm going to marry you. I said, I always get what I go after. You see, you got to understand something, my God. God can take your doubt and turn, it in, and, and turn it into faith. And when you get real faith, you act on real faith. And, and, and you guys don't understand how important the words I just said to you are. If you just start believing something and you start acting on what you believe, it will come to pass in your life. That's what the Bible says. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. It's the title deed of those things that you want to accomplish. You already have it. You just don't know it. But if you can believe it and receive it, it'll happen in your life. Everything I have accomplished in my life to this point was a matter of faith. Before my wife and I became missionaries, we talked about becoming missionaries. We talked about this. We talked about having a church. We talked about having uh, children. We talked about our children being smart. Smarter. That's what we said. Smarter than the people that we minister to. We talked about having more education. This when I was 19, 20 years old. This lady's a few classes away from her doctorate degree in education. I have an out on everyone that gave me last year. But I got three master's degrees hanging on the wall of my office. I remember when we had no education. I just basically came out of military with a high school diploma. I had most of my college credits behind me, but I hadn't got a degree yet. I had to come back in the military and I come back ahead to get the degree. But I remember telling her, honey, we're going to have master's degrees. We're going to be ahead of, and, I, and we're going to have money. Hit We'll never be broke again. Are you crazy? Did you say that to your wife? Yes, I did. Hello, broke person. I told her. We'll never be broke again. Well, what produced those things? My words plus my actions plus the faith that I have. Y'all think I'm crazy this year. Wait till next year. I'll teach you guys how to manufacture miracles. Just remember that. I'll show you how to do it. It's not as hard as you think. It's not as hard. Every one of your lives are miracles right now. Every one of your lives are miracles. I remember a broken up bull after he got hit by a car. Baddest motorcycle man in the world. Coming in a wheelchair. Pushing the wheelchair. I remember me and Anthony Blake laying hands on it and saying, in the name of Jesus, you're going to walk again. Don't get me go back to that book. Cause see, people don't know what we've been through, right? They don't know where we've been. They don't know where we come from. Got out of that wheelchair, thought walking, thought talking, thought preaching, thought telling people about Jesus. Lord gave me one of the beautiful little prettiest wives I've ever seen. I don't know why she loves him, but she does. In Jesus' name, Lord bless him all over again. All of you sitting here got miracles all in your lives. But you got to learn to start building on those miracles for even bigger miracles. The Bible says in the 19th chapter, in the 20th chapter of the book of John, Jesus had been dead and came from the grave. Mary Magdalene had took the disciples there. Y'all remember the story, Peter and James and John and, 
and Peter and James got there for, before Peter looked in and John perceived the same right of this book. He perceived that Jesus had resurrected from the dead. The rest of them didn't. Peter didn't know that. Peter looked and saw the grave clothes. That's what the Bible said. But he didn't understand what had happened. And they all left except Mary Magdalene. She was still there. She refused to leave. She had brought some sparking eyes and stuff for the body. So she was sitting there and she saw two men she thought was she saw two angels, but she thought they were men. And she said, where have you taken the body of the Lord? And they began to talk to her and said, he's not here. You're looking for the living among the dead. And then she turned around and she saw what she thought was the gardener coming to get her out of the garden. This is at the beginning of this chapter. And once he spoke, she turned and said, Rabbi and I, meaning she recognized the voice of being the voice of Jesus. And Jesus says, don't harm me. Don't touch me. Don't grab me now. But you go tell the brethren. Talking about the disciples. Go tell them what you have seen. And I will reveal myself unto them. And at the first day of the week, one week later, this is where we pick up. One week later. After Jesus had already been resurrected. And after all of this stuff had been made. And after they had been to the tomb. They still had not seen Jesus. It's a shame so many people know about God, but have never met him. That's why in chapter one of the book of John, John starts off saying in the beginning with the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In the beginning was Logos, the logical thinkings of God. We call this the logical thinking of God, the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. John 1.14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory of the only begotten monogenos of God which was Jesus. Now, all that's over. Jesus has told Mary Magdalene, go and tell the disciples, I'm going to appear to them. And verse 19 starts off like this. John chapter 20, verse 19. Are you there? Say amen. amen. I want everybody to see it in your Bibles, or on your phone, or have somewhere understanding that I'm not making this up. And it says, the same day at evening time, at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord and said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you as my father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, everybody say, but Thomas. But Thomas, one of the disciples called Deutimus, which literally means twin, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I see in his hands the prince of the nails, and put my fingers into the prince of the nail, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. I'm going to stop there for just a moment, because the next few verses are one of the biggest, I'm going to use this fancy college words, huh, in a base sentence, one that, one that is so profound that we have to think about it. What's about to be said is probably the, 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 
maximum impact scripture in the whole Bible. But you won't see it if I just read it. So I have to set it up. You have Jesus resurrected from the dead who tells his disciples he's going to come and he comes. And he comes to the door closed. He just walks through it and starts talking to him. And he pronounces peace because according to the scriptures they were afraid they might be arrested. So they were hiding out. He walks in and says, don't worry. I'm giving you a peace. I'm pronouncing peace. Not only am I pronouncing peace, I'm pronouncing power. And this is where a lot of people miss it in Christianity. On the door of our church, go out and look over. It says, you do perish, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. It's written on top of our church. It's been written on the only two churches that we ever started. The same scripture. Matthew 22 something, 22, 29, I believe. You do error, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. That's a lot of people know the scripture, but they don't know the power of God. And you can know the scriptures all day long and it won't do a thing for you until you know the power of God. And that's a lot of people who have experienced the power of God. Oh, no, 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 I'm in Connecticut. Woo! Come listen. But you don't have any knowledge of God. So all the power you have don't do you any good because you don't know how to use it. And all you're getting, get understanding. You have to have the scriptures and the power. That's why Bible study. That's why coming to church over on Sunday morning is not going to cut it because you don't have any power. You leave here on Sunday morning, you go home cussing your husband out. You leave here on Sunday morning, you go home cheating on your wife. You leave here on Sunday morning, you go home and you're watching garbage on your computer because you have no power. And I'm not going to apologize that in 40 years I have not backslidden and watched all that crazy mess. I have not cheated on my wife. I'm not going to apologize for that. I have not stolen any man's silver gold. I have not coveted any man's thing. I'm not going to apologize for that. Why? Because I have the power. I have the power. Devil comes and I say, hey, I rebuke you certainly in the name of Jesus. I've had demons jump into my windows. Little men, little big nose, ugly elves come ready to my face and say, I'm going to kill you. And I rebuke them in the name of Jesus. And they go screeching out that window the same way they come in. In the early days of our ministry, me and my wife, we used to have people come to our church that were demon possessed. And I have deacons and elders set on them in the back of the church so the service was over and go cast those demons out of people. I had some major fights down in the Philippines with demons, me and Anthony Blade. If the Lord bless us, Anthony Blade might be back over here in April during our conference this year. And you can ask him about some of those demons we used to fight in the Philippines. Well, folk don't have demons anymore. That's a, that, look, look, I, I, I have the... I have the DSM-4, you know, the Diagnostic Manual of uh, Psychological Disorders. I had, and, and that's 300 and something psychological disorders. When the first medical DSM was written, there was only two diseases in the book. And they were prejudice diseases. One was called hysteria. Hysteria means a woman who's afraid of her own womb. That's what it means, a woman with a womb. Hysterectomy, hysteria. That was the first clinically diagnosed mental disorder. And the other one we used to call multiple personality disorders. Okay? Now we call it schizophrenia and all kinds of stuff, but it used to be called multiple personality disorder. That was only two. Now that's 300 or something. Why? Because everything's a disease now. Alcoholism not even your fault. You don't choose to drink. Your genes make you drink. All kinds of crazy mess. The fact of the matter is that's only two things that we really deal with. And that's doubt 
and fear. And fear is usually false evidence that appears real. Most of your fears will never even happen to you. But doubt is real. Because doubt is something that you create. And it controls you. You give power to your doubt. My wife ain't going to stay with me long. You, you gave power to that. Um, I, I have the dumbest wife. You give power to that. My husband is so stupid. You give power to that. My kids don't. Listen, stop giving power to things that don't exist. You start giving it power, you're going to create it. I'm, I'm quick to tell my wife I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Sometimes she tells me, don't say yourself. I said, no, honey, I got to keep saying it because if I don't keep saying it, I will keep doing it. I will keep doing the same old thing. But if I keep telling myself I got to change, I got to change, I will change. And I've noticed little changes because I keep telling myself I got to change. But if you tell yourself you can't, you won't. You won't. Some of our greatest minds have concluded the fact whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. You're going to accomplish it. Thomas had a problem. And we'll talk about it, but don't talk about Thomas too bad because I'm going to remind all of us in here that we are Thomas. We are Thomas. Unless I can put my finger in the nail prints in his hand, unless I can put my finger in the nail prints in his feet, he didn't even stop there. Unless I can put my hand in his side, in his side, I will not believe. And he had a lot of good reasons. Now he was missing. We don't know why he was missing. We know that this was the Passover week because the next week Jesus going to town and it's the Passover. So prior to the Passover week, Thomas could have been working with his family, trying to get things together. And he, he might have had a valid reason for not being there. It had been a week. We don't know. But, but the next verse will tell you something about what had happened in the preceding, it says eight days, but it really seven, and I'll go into that later. The way the Jewish people count a day is from the evening of one day until the beginning of the next. So Jesus was in the ground for three days, and you said, he, he crucified on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Look, don't worry about it. It's just the way the Jewish people and the way the Roman people counted days that confuse us. That's why context is king. For anybody that ever want to understand the Bible, please understand that you need to read the Bible in context and the way from which it was written within the context which it was written. Just because Judas went and hung himself don't mean you can flip over and say, go do likewise. That's not the way the Bible is interpreted. You read it within context. Now we'll pick up the next verse and we'll see where the story is going, where his doubt is turned, let's say, where his greatest doubt is turned to the most exquisite example of faith in the entire Bible. And there's some great examples of faith in the Bible. There's people who thought the mouth of lions, the Bible saying, quench fire, die, fire dots, and all of that stuff. It doesn't compare to what happens to Thomas. Doesn't even compare. Now watch this. It says, Jesus came in the midst and said, peace. Where did I thought? What verse? Now, Thomas called to 12. Was not with him. Verse, let's pick up at verse 25. We read that. Let's pick up at verse 27. Nope. Let's go back. Verse 26. Verse 26. Everybody there? Remember now, it had been a week. It says, and after eight days in the King James, but it literally means seven days. After a week, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. 
Jesus came, the door being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then said Thomas, Then he said to Thomas, Everybody got that? Jesus is now talking to Thomas. If I was Thomas, I'd be shaking in my boots about now. Because I know Jesus heard everything was going on in the prior conversation about that. Sticking my hands in the side and all that. But then Jesus said unto Thomas. Reach. Verse 27. Reach your hand. Reach your finger. And look at my hands. And reach your hand here. And put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving. But believing. Now I. Just want to try to break those words down to you. A little bit. Because this is a formal rebuke. By Jesus. To a man that had walked with him. For three and a half years. This is not a. Hey I. I don't know who you are and you don't know who I am. This is Thomas. You saw me every day for three and a half years. Thomas, you saw me crucified. Thomas, you heard the story of my resurrection and you're this, you're, there's, there's 10 other people here that told you I was alive. Not only Mary Magdalene and others, but Thomas, there, there's been so many proofs now I'm here, and I'm right in front of you, and here's my hands, and here's my feet. Touch! Let me tell you, you don't want the Lord to do that to you. I'm just going to tell you that. You don't want the Lord to do that to you. You're sitting there holding the child that you shouldn't be holding, and you're doubting that the Lord is real. Mm -hmm. You're there living in a house that you shouldn't even be living in. Got money that you shouldn't even have. Working on a job that you're not even qualified to have. And you're looking at God saying, prove it. And God says, wait a minute. Thomas. Notice Thomas. The greatest example of faith found in the entire Bible. I didn't say that. All the commentaries that I read said it. And I got about ten of them. And they all conclude that this is the greatest confession of faith in the entire Bible. Because this is the first confession of faith in the entire Bible. That anybody makes reference to a man being God. It's not in any Old Testament scripture. It's not in any New Testament scripture. Except this one. Well, how do you know it's true? Well, let me just remind you that, that Peter said and Paul said things about Jesus being God too. And in the book of Hebrews, it talks about him being God too. But up until this time in the Gospels, nobody has said this. Verse 27, Jesus said, put your hand to my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. Then it says, and Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my what? Have you ever heard anybody say that about any man? The answer is no. First off, you would have been stoned to death and stoned to death again. And taken to a hill outside the city and stoned to death again. And burned up in ashes. Because you never would declare, not in any Hebrew society, that any man was God. 
It was okay to call Jesus the son of God. It was even okay to call Jesus the son of man who came to present to us the son of God. That's what John the Baptist ministry was. I'm presenting to you one that I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. But to get up and say, now watch this, watch this, watch this. And Jesus said unto them, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. The, the implication of the wording here is this. Thomas went, my Lord and my God. Look it up. Look it up. There's no way those words could be said without Thomas bowing down, doing obligations, obligations to the Lord. In other words, Thomas not only said, are you my Lord, but I worship you. I don't think Thomas put his finger in Jesus' nail prints. I don't think Thomas put his finger in Jesus' side. I think just the rebuke of the Lord was enough for Thomas' doubts to be turned into the greatest faith. It happened to me before. Not in that great extent. I'm laying in the hospital bed, almost begging God to kill me. God says, I'm not killing you. You're going to get out of this bed. You're going to tell the story. 11 hours paralyzed. Wake up 3 o'clock in the morning, scared, out of your head, can't move. You're going to live to tell the story. And I'm so glad I'm still here. Somebody give God some praise. I'm glad I'm still here. I'm glad I'm still here. I'm glad I'm still here. I'm glad I can tell you that my God is a good God. I'm glad I can tell you that God is still real. I'm glad I can tell you I'm not 100%, but I'm about 96. I was 95 last week. I'm getting better every day. Amen. Because my doubts has been turned into faith. I haven't seen a marriage that God can heal. I haven't seen a... a couple that was so messed up that it couldn't be fixed. I've never seen people in the hospital that was so sick God couldn't heal them. That's a guy that was in the uh, hyperbaric chambers with me. I was there for 27 days the last three days he came in. Six months earlier we were taking radiation together. We took radiation together for 30 days. Uh, I had some problems. They had to radiate my lymph nodes and he had problems with his lip nose. He had lip nose on the side of his neck. He was getting radiation the same time I was. And uh, his lip nose got so big, they pulled the skin over his eyes. His eye was popping out on one side. And the nose was so big, he had, like he had three chicken eggs on his neck. His name is Mr. Asa. They had to take his lip nose out. And then also they took out his verse box. And they put a hole in this thing here, and he could put a little thing in. Hey, hey, hey. I can't speak Japanese that well, but when it's coming out through a voice box, I couldn't understand a thing he was saying. So he was writing it down. He says, Mr. Jameis, I'm so glad I'm in this, I'm in this uh, hyperbaric chamber with you. And I showed my wife the letter. She says, I know you are professional man. That's the way he recorded me. He said, I know you're a professional man. You, you're a teacher. And I respect you. 
He said, they took my whole voice back out. He's 73. He said, but one thing, I'm so happy. I'm still here. He says, I'm still here. And we just rejoiced together. Now his eyes back up where it's supposed to be there. He looks like a person again. But he has no voice box. He has no limp notes. I still have all my limp notes. Thank you, Jesus. I still can walk. I still can talk. See, you start feeling sorry for yourself until you understand that there's people in this world that are worse off than you. Amen. And sometimes God got to let you see something. In Thomas' case, and let me start wrapping this thing up here because I'm going to finish in 30 minutes. Hallelujah. Thomas says, my Lord and my God, and he worshiped the Lord. Now, if Jesus was not God, Jesus would have told Thomas, get up. I want you to know that. Jesus said, get up, Thomas. Don't call me God. But Jesus did not tell Thomas to get up, nor did Jesus say, I am not God. Jesus says, Thomas, your faith is great, but here's something greater. Here's something more blessed than what's happened to you. Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Joshua, come here, Josh. Jump up on daddy. Yeah! Boy, I tell you, you show is something. This one, he was three or four years old. He'd jump across the couch. He'd jump off the table. His son does the same thing now. He's on the table. Daddy, come catch me, daddy. He'll run across the table and jump up in the air. That is faith. The Bible says unless you have faith like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of God. We talk about the great things here, and we talk about Thomas. Let me give you something to take home. I always try to give you some points to take home. Note this. Thomas says something that wasn't even nailed down or clarified until the Caledonian Council of 450-51 AD. That was one of the councils that were called by the Roman emperors. The first one was the Council of Milet, which gave us the Bible. 250 years after the Bible was written, there was a council called that says this is the canon. This is what we're going to canonize the Bible. It took up 250 years to get it canonized. In 313, the emperor, Constantine, who wasn't even Christian, he called for a council that nailed down the deity of Christ. And he wasn't even a Christian, but they nailed down the deity of Christ in 313. In 450 and 451, they nailed down something called the hypostatic union. If you're here last Wednesday night, I talked about it. The usia of Christ. Christ becoming one. The sustenance. Hypostatic union is a, is a biblical term. Listen, some of those who are all in the scientific stuff. Do you know hypostatic union gave the term hypothesis to the scientific method? Some of y'all think science was around before the Bible. No. The highest form of knowledge it's the third of theology. Even in Europe today, the highest degree you can get is a theology degree. The philosophers, Plato, Aristotle, they were all philosophers of religion. Most of them don't know that because we put religion so low in the children's pole. But the hypostatic union was decided at a council in 451. Hypo meaning substance. Static is where we get the term oozes, uh, that which composes the foundation of the subject. Without the foundation, 
there is no subject. Without the foundation, it's not true. So hypostatic union is found through all the terms of the Bible, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. How can you be one and be three? How could Jesus be all God and yet all men? But he was, and according to the Council of 451, it was decided by the whole church. How powerful is your thinking? Jesus says, I want more from you, Thomas. Can you imagine Jesus appearing to you right now? I want to pretend. Lord, give me strength, because I know if you were pretending to me right now, if you came to me right now, I'd probably just melt down here. And, I'm a worm. Listen, but I want you to pretend Jesus come to you and look at you and say, what is it that you're having a problem with? What is it? Are you having a problem with me taking care of you? Look back over your shoulder. Are you having a problem with me healing you? Look back over your shoulder. As you have a problem with me taking care of your kids, you were a boy once, you were a baby once, mama used to feed you bread out of her own mouth, and you're still here. Don't worry about your kids. God still got a bunch of them. I mean, he got five, got four, five. Anyway, I tell them all the time, God, don't worry about your kids. God wouldn't have gave you all those kids. God wouldn't have gave you all those kids if you couldn't take care of them. I have to work so hard. That's what life is. That's all about. You work hard now. You have something to show later. Everything you're going through in your life. What's your problem? Because if Jesus walked up and looked you in the eye. Thomas. What's your problem? Lord, I'm sorry. Of course you're sorry. Blessed are those. Number two. Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. Faith. It's calling the things that are not as though they were. Christian in here, you love God. But, but I don't think I could do what it is God called me to do. Yeah, you can. There's nothing impossible unto you. That don't make no sense. Uh, it don't have to make sense. It's a fact. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not true. The Pummelin theory, the Pummelin effect, we call it the Thomas theory. I talked to the staff about it the other day, or the Thomas theory. Back in 1899, back in 1828, a guy named William Isaac Thomas and his wife Dorothy, Dorothy came up with the theorem. This called the Thomas theory. It's called this. Look it up, Thomas theorem. Write it down. Look it in the. Look it up on the internet. It basically says that one's own interpretation of a situation causes the action to come to pass. Let me say that again. One's own interpretation of a situation causes the action on the path. The interpretation is not objective, but the actions affect the subjective perceptions until those subjective perceptions become your reality. In other words, so a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. James Allen said that back in 1823. Psalms 27, Psalms 23, 7. So a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you believe that you can do something, you would do it. All heaven and earth will align to your beliefs because what you believe will become your actions, and your actions will become your values, and your values, your values become your reality. So, Thomas, you have great faith, but greater is the faithful person that believes and have not seen Hebrews 11 1 
Hebrews 11, 6, it's impossible to please God without faith. And then the third thing I want you to know, here's God. It's on the found in the book of John. Peter, come on the water. You know what he said? This is all, this is all God said. This is all he said to my little three-year-old Josh. Jump, son! Jump! That's all Peter did. That's all Peter did. That's all God has said to you. You want to do something for God? Listen. Jump! When jump? Jump now! How do I know you're going to catch me? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. Look at my side. You think I went through that for nothing? You jump! And I'll catch you. You jump. I guarantee you God will catch you. God will catch you. God wants more from you. God bless those who act in faith. And God wants you to jump. My Lord and my God. The most superlative conclusion to any discussion in the Bible was when Thomas said, not of the Holy Ghost like Peter did. The Holy Spirit had to reveal to Peter that Jesus was the Christ. This was not the Holy Spirit repeating pillar. This was, this was a man who had doubt. Says, I doubt no more. I believe that you are the Christ. My hero. My Lord. And my God. Stand to your feet with me if you would. In Jesus' name. Stand to your feet. We're going to let you get out of here. Those who listen to the program today, we thank you for it. God bless you. Remember the hypostatic union. All God, all man. All God, all man. Christ knows you because he's all man. He knows what you're going through because he's all man. He knows your weaknesses because he's all man. He knows your fears because he's all man. But he looks at your weaknesses and he looks at your fears through the eyes of God and says nothing is impossible to you. Jump. 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 Lord, take our doubts, take our fears, and turn them into faith. Maximize the moment. Maximize the hurt. Maximize the tears. Maximize the brokenness. When they're going through things and they don't understand, maximize it, God. Let them understand that they're going to come out better than when they went in. The hurt you had with your father is to make you a better father. The hurt you had with your mother is to make you a better mother. The things you went through, trying to struggle in life, to get on top, is what's going to keep you on top because you know how to fight. And failure is not even an option. It's not even an option. Never quit. Never give up. Never stop. Because quitters never win. And winners never quit. If you think you can, or if you think you can, you are 100% correct. So change us, God. Change us. Thomas is called Doubting Thomas. I like to correct that. And said Thomas was the greatest man of faith that we find in the whole New Testament. He was the first to acknowledge Jesus as God. No greater confession. 
greater confession is found in the Bible than Jesus being God. Your divinity, God, goes without question. If you're here today, I'd like to remind you of just a few scriptures found in the book of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. So if you put your name in that verse, for God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son Jesus so that if you would believe, you could have life. You would be saved. See, God loves you so much that he died for you. And he wants you to change. I stand here this morning because I want you to change. I want you to start living life. I want you to become intentional about this life you have. I want you to make a difference in your life. I want you to leave an inheritance for your children and for your children's children. I want you to take up the things that God put in you and to start walking in the newness of life. I want you to become the man or woman that God called you to be. Stop hiding in jealous, but step out into the light. In other words, I want you to jump. Jump into the arms of God. Jump. But what about my wife? What about my husband? What about my finances? What about my kids? You jump. They'll come with you later, but you jump. You take the step first. You go out first. When people see Christ in you as the only hope of glory, they'll turn and they'll come. Jesus says, if you see me, you see the Father. Just show us the Father God. Show us your heart. And we'll come. God's not a big giant up in the air waiting to condemn you when you come. But God's a Father with his arms outstretched waiting for you to jump. Helping to do it, Father, I pray. While every head bowed, every eyes closed, I want you to consider well what doubts do you have? What fears do you have? The altar is always open you bring your fears to the altar. You bring your doubts to the altars. You get here. You confess, God, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. I, I, I thought I had it all together, but I didn't. God can forgive you right here, right now. He wants to. He wants to maximize the moments. And you only have today. Please understand that. Now is the time. Now is the day. Father, I come with my heart in my hand and I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to use me in the name of Jesus. Use me for your glory. I pray in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Sister Faye, if you come down the front with me. Brother Craig, if you come down the front with me. Joshua, won't you sing the chorus of that song, son? And we'll wait for just a minute while that chorus is being sung. If you're a female, you want to come and my wife and Miss Faye can pray for you. If you're a male, you want to come and we'll pray over here. But we'll give you a minute while we sing the chorus of this song. Come on. Come on, Jesus. Go ahead. If you need to come for prayer, come now, please, so we can pray for you in Jesus' name. And let Christ heal you. Let Christ heal you. It's not us, but it's you. You do the work when you come. Monday. Come on, come on. Yes, Jesus. 
Anybody need prayer? Come on down here, let us pray for you. Come on down here, let us pray for you. Come on. If you want to come and stand with the person, pray for the person, please feel free. This is body ministry. This is body ministry time. Hey, hey. It does matter what you say. It does matter how you say it. If you want to be forgiven, you want something changed, begin to confess it. It'll begin to happen. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Anybody else need prayer? Come up. You love to come and pray with us. I'll be up here. Please do so. This is body time. Oh, he walks with me. Talks with me. Oh, how he tells me that I am his own. You know my name. Come on, let the Lord minister to you. Come on, come over the front. You know my name. You know my name. I believe as I lay my hands on you and pray for you, that God's oh, going to I believe if you committed sin, that God will forgive you of those sins. Oh, I believe if you need healing, God can and will heal you if you just receive it. Because all the devils in hell can keep God's blessing from flowing into your life. I am your friend. You are blessed on top and rising in the he name of Jesus. No matter what the enemy has said. God's got something good in store for you. Now, Lord, turn it around. Turn it around. Turn it around. You said, let the people come. Let the people come. Let the people come. The altar is open. Anybody want to come, you come. And let God minister to you. You come. Father, in the name of Jesus, for these young people that are at this altar, in the name of Jesus, as I lay my hands upon them, in the name of Jesus, as I touch them, Lord, let them know in Jesus' name, you're saying to them, jump. Jump, jump, you little lady. Jump in the name of Jesus. Your father will catch you. Your father will catch you. Jump, jump, little lady. Your father will catch you. Jump in the name of Jesus. Jump. You gotta wait it. You gotta be willing to jump, and God will catch you. You gotta be willing to jump. He never lets you down, and He will not start now. You just gotta be willing to let God catch you in Jesus' name. You walk by faith, not by sight. Let God catch you. Let God catch you. It may not seem like right now, but in the name of Jesus, if you just keep walking by faith, God will catch you, young man. God will catch you in Jesus' name. Greater things are here for you. Greater things that you even begin to see are here for you. Surrender. Surrender in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, for every person standing in the audience today, for every person in this room, in the name of Jesus, I release my faith, connecting with your faith right now, in the name of Jesus. God is about to change things in your life. Things are about to change. Your family is about to change. Your situation is about to change. Your assignment is about to change. God's about to reveal the gifts and talents that are within you so that you can maximize this moment in your life. 2020, it's a new year. Old things are gone. Old things are gone. Things are about to become real. And God wants you to maximize the moment in Jesus' name. I thank you for him, Lord. I pray that they have remembered this day. 
That's the day they decided to cast the doubt out and to begin to step out in fear, step out in faith, to cast the fear out, step out in faith. This is your day. This is a new season. Walk in it. Walk in it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Somebody give God some praise. God bless you. Go with the Lord. Don't forget, next Saturday, 2 o'clock, be at the bowling alley. Next Saturday. Where's the night? Right here. We're going to see how water was made in the wine and how God took the power of his Holy Spirit and transformed a natural thing into something supernatural. You come out on Wednesday night, 6 30 to 40 to 7. Wednesday night. God bless you.
it. You got to do it in Jesus' name. You got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. Humble yourself. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. And God will exalt you. Oh, how he 